Hi, I'm Gabriel Stelian Shanks, the Artistic Director of the Drama League in New York City. Welcome to Talking Direction, the behind-the-scenes podcast going deep into the worlds of theater, film, television, and online content to celebrate directors, those visionary artists at the center of the plays, musicals, movie, and television shows enjoyed around the world. Each week, we welcome acclaimed guests to explore imagination, risk-taking, and craft, as well as looking at the past, present, and future of the creative industries. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. We're available on all platforms or by visiting dramaleague.org. Thanks for listening and for Talking Direction. Welcome back to Talking Direction. I am Nylan he, him, the Associate Artistic Director of the Drama League. As an organization dedicated to supporting new generations of directors in theater, film, and television, it warms my heart to have two of our current New York fellows with me today. So our first guest is Kate Robinson, she, they, a New York-based theater director who has worked across the U.S., bringing her rigorous theatrical productions to communities across the nation. Her work includes The Clean House at Portland Stage Company, Pinocchio at Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, and Proclamation World Sick and Proclamation Unite at the American Repertory Theater, to name a few. Up next for Kate is a production of Laura Shellhart's The K of D at Director Fest. We will tell you more about the production later in our conversation. Joining Kate today is Signe V. Heriday, she, her. Signe is a director, a multidisciplinary artist and activist who is using theater as a catalyst to ask questions about who we are and who we are in relation to others. Signe is the co-founder of Mama Mosaic, a woman of color theater company whose mission is to evoke positive social change through female-centered work. Signe is also the co-founder of Million Artists Movement, a collective of artists committed to Black liberation. Her work includes Super Duper Kid at Barrington Stage, Cardboard Piano at Park Square Theater, and How Black Mothers Say I Love You at Penumbra Theater, to name a few. Now, up next for Signe is a production of Sharon Bridgeforth's The Bull Jean Stories, also at Director Fest. Please join me in welcoming Kate Robinson and Signe V. Heriday to Talking Direction. Hey, what up? Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's good to hear y'all's voices. So good to hear your voices. Um, I can't wait to see you all. Um, um, for our listeners out there, I haven't gotten to be in like a lot of space with Kate and Sydney because their fellowship has been in the thick of this pandemic. So I'm very excited to when I'm in front of you all to give you both big hugs because um, I'm vaccinated now. And I hope you all um, have gotten that chance too. Yeah. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, me too. I, I will say too, you know, in my bio, I appreciated that, you know, one of the many uh, casualties of the pandemic was that production at Penumbra Theater. So uh, still in deep love and relationship with Penumbra. And so we will do something again sometime soon. But how Black Mothers Say I Love You didn't happen. Oh, it was one of the one of the COVID-19 tragedies. It was, um, it was. There's many of them out there, but I'm excited to hear that um, you and Penumbra are going to do something. I love that theater. It's amazing. It's an important institution and one of the many amazing institutions we have in the Twin Cities. And um, I'm actually talking to you today from Pillsbury House Theater, where I have recently joined as the producing artistic director. So if you are in the Twin Cities, hey, fam, and if you haven't been here lately, come check out our amazing theatrical offerings. 
Yes, and we're going to talk about that a little later in this podcast. I'm excited to talk about that. Sydney. Absolutely, oh, congrats. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you knew. <laughs> no, oh, I, I didn't. That's really. We're so lucky <laughs> to have you. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Yes. So, so your time as fellows is coming to an end soon, but you'll transition to being an alum soon. And and I mentioned you both were New York fellows. And for those who may be interested in joining the fellowship or have no clue what a New York fellow is, would either of you describe the fellowship in your own words? Ooh, I love the pause. This is the pause is perfectly fine. Yeah, the pause is beautiful because well, it's thinking, <laughs> and I think it's you know we're such deep collaborators. I think we're both going. Hmm, what would you say? <laughs> Do you want to start, kid? Yeah, I had the same thought of like, what would you say? I mean, I guess I I think the pandemic has been such a part of this fellowship that I like I hesitated because I was like. Uh, you know, I don't want to give a definition of it that is that is so particular to our experience. I think it should be particular to your experience. Really? Though. Okay. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, that's the experience you have. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Let me gather for a second. No worries. No worries. Well, as Kate gathers... Um, A couple of things that come to mind for me, um, you know, I think the fellowship was an opportunity to connect with other directors with whom I otherwise would not have. Mm -hmm. And that's both uh, directors inside of the fellowship, but also relationships built in the fellowship with other theater professionals. And for me, and, you know, we were just a little bit joking about collaboration, but so much of my work and the things that I'm really most deeply interested in is relationship-based. So it was one of the parts of the fellowship that I really appreciated was having a chance to really think intentionally about building relationships, relationships that I would not have necessarily sought out on my own. And I feel Mm. like it strengthens the network that I have. Um, Two other highlights for me inside of the fellowship was during this Uh, deep moment of transition for a myriad of of reasons, multiple pandemics and whatnot, having the chance to play and be playful around theater inside of the fellowship was something I really enjoyed doing. Uh, Experimentation with the constraints of technology, the ways that we had them and have them going forward inside of theater, for me was, it was great to have a safe environment to just play without any kind of uh, expectation of product or even expectation of process. Um, That freedom was really lovely. Um, And then as we're heading into Director's Fest, it's been a, a challenge for sure. But as somebody who kind of likes to take a bath and challenge. I found thinking about the ways in which we dynamically respond to uh, technology inside of our storytelling as theater makers has been actually very exhilarating. Um, Just last night, I was on the phone with our director of photography and thinking about editing and those are not opportunities that I would have previously sought out. And I'm really glad that through the fellowship, I've had them. I'm, I'm really glad that all the four of you um, 
I should say five, because also our classical fellow, um, Emma, uh, had an opportunity to be thrust in this type of environment. Um, it's definitely not going to be a normal environment, but some of those things will become normal practice. And you all got to be on the, the forefront of that experience. How about you, Kate? Any yeah, thoughts? I, mean, I, I would describe the fellowship, and I think this is probably true outside of the pandemic too, as sort of a season-long or a year-long, in our case, conversation about who you are as a director, what are the next steps for you, and what are the next set of conversations that you want to be having and need to be having. Um, so I think you can imagine during the pandemic that is tremendously useful and supportive because you're kind of in your home or in your apartment and the drama league is a point of conversation as you move through. Um, so as you're doing workshops, as you're part of panels, as you're um, playing with text and some of the ways Sydney's describing, and then as you're approaching Director Fest, you are in a larger dialogue with the New York theater community. For me, as someone with a background in regional theater, that was tremendously useful, and that marks a, a big transition point for me. Um, somebody who lives in New York but doesn't spend a lot of time here professionally. Um, mm -hmm. We travel out of town to work. So having this opportunity to have these conversations, um, especially during such a difficult time, was really like a life vest in a lot of ways. Great. Great. You, both of you um, brought up a little bit of where I'm going to move the conversation to. Because, uh, I mean, both you took this fellowship <laughs> in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and thank you for doing that for first off. And your commitment to your craft and this fellowship puts you on this forefront um, I will say that really made you all wrestle with um, what is the work now? And I bring that up because I, I marvel at the five of you who just stayed with us during this pandemic, because it seemed like they, it, eight months straight, um, every day was a new story of some type of civil unrest in our nation, uh, unjust murdering of a black, brown or Asian body. Uh, the industry was having and still is having these major conversations around generational um, racial and, and, and gender biasness. Uh, a presidential election, a worldwide virus. Um, and it really, I, I saw all of you wrestle with what is the work now? Who am I as an artist now? And I, I'm i curious about where some of that landed for you now. I mean, it's um, we're, we're a month out for you being complete with this fellowship. And I wonder uh, where you are now in terms of what do you feel the work is um, for you as an artist and a human? There's been a lot of talk about like, what is the future of theater during this uh, pandemic, at least in my circles. Um, and for a long time, I was sort of more interested in the present of theater. Mm -hmm. I was like, where are we right now? What's actually happening in our communities right now, even though we're not working, there's actually a right now that is really, really urgent. And and as we're starting to emerge from that, I think for me, the direction that I am going is very much like more analog. It's, it's um, I'm, I'm finding myself drawn like back to the campfire 
back to like epic poetry and storytelling and to the most immediate, the most intimate, um, the most real time and place and the less technical, um, the kind of less corporate, the less remote um, kind of work. That's that's where I'm steering what I'm doing right now. Mm. Less, more analog. Yeah, I mean, I, it's I a, think- It's like, a great word choice there. The a lot of what we talk about when we talk about what's next is how we work with technology and theater. Um, and I think there's a lot of good conversations to be had there, but in my own work, I'm going very much away from that, very much towards audience experience and towards what is more simple. Okay. Okay. How about you, Signe? <sighs> that was a big exhale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, take it. Yeah, you know, yeah, I appreciate very much what Kate has said. You know, as someone who has, you know, in my bio, you name me as a multidisciplinary artist. And that that is in part because of the ways that I have enjoyed playing with technology prior to 2020 in my work. Uh, And so I think that I still am very excited about the ways in which I can integrate technology thoughtfully as uh, as a part of the vehicle by which to create an environment that emotionally impacts an audience, right? And I think this notion, you know, Kate, you, you said campfire, and I really resonate with that. You know, so much of my work is, is in the realm of ritual, which when you say campfire for me evokes very much the sense of ritual, of meaning making, of storytelling, of being able to see one another's eyes across the flicker and glow of a fire. And that circle making inside of storytelling and ritual making for me is still something that is inside of my work and that I'm deeply, um, committed to fostering I'm in the preparation process, um, getting ready to direct a production of what to send up when it goes down uh, here at Pillsbury House Theater in Minneapolis, just a block and a half south of George Floyd Square. Mm. And we will be creating a campfire-like environment for that piece so that the ritual can happen and it will be outside with the sun up in a way that we can see one another and ultimately be with one another and so you know i think the ways that i'm thinking about technology is not just you know cool and amazing projections although i do love the use of projections and amazing lights and all of the things that we can do with cameras and and all of that but i'm also interested in the technologies that are ancestral for us in this art form that we have the technology of storytelling and the technology of being in space with not one another such that we can collectively create the event um, and that technology, I, I'm also very interested in. And I think that our communities, particularly after 
this past year, and I'm sure this was true of other communities at different times. So in the past, you know, people are longing to connect in meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. I know I am. And my hope is that as we think about the work that we create in the quote unquote American theater, that we're we're making a, a fertile ground for connection to happen in in rich, evocative, and meaningful ways that do pierce the veil of comfortability, that pierce the veil of status quo, that pierce the veil of, well, this is how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess for me, that's the direction, you know, and, 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 you know, I, to go back to the big exhale that you heard from me, I think one of the things that I have found is a, is a helpful paintbrush is the, is the tool as it were of listening. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we as theater makers, as we forge forward and we voraciously move to make more art, that there's enough space to listen. And I say that out loud for my own self, as much as it's a question to the industry, am I listening deep enough so that I am being thoughtful enough about what I'm creating and who I'm accountable to in that process? Mm. Mm -hmm. I want to lift uh, from both of you. Uh, One, both of you kind of answered the next question I was going to ask with the theater coming back. But but I want to lift one, the listening. I think I think it's so easy now to voice a thought, especially in its most refi- unrefined sense. Um, and that's 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 the birth of the internet. That's the birth of uh, social media. Um, and there's something. Uh, I think more human than speaking is listening because because it, it, one I think it puts you in a space of of uh, vulnerability because I think there's something uh, quite vulnerable about having to only receive because um, you have to deal with what you're giving and as you're receiving you're putting it away in places you're deciding if you accept it or don't accept it you're you're having issues with yourself if you do accept it or if you don't um, and there's something, and it goes back to what you, Kate, about just being around the campfire, right? I mean, because that's what it is, just listening to each other again. It's getting back to how we uh, connect on on a very simple level of humanity. Um, and I think that's that's huge. I mean, with with the theater having its, um, I want to say, the, the, the sun is coming out over the hill moment of um, the industry coming back across the nation, I, I hope we are in a space of more listening. I hope we, hmm, I hope we um, uh, ally, ally together to really build uh, a, a bridge towards audience and community. And I didn't hear much of those conversations during this pandemic. It was a very, it was a very eye centric uh, American theater conversation of artists speaking to artists. But I hope that we really um, remember why we make the art who we make it for and um, really get them involved. Um, 
you brought this up a little earlier, um, Sigme, but let's let's turn over to one. You're, you're recently named the new uh, um, artistic producing director at Pillsbury House Theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, and congrats again for that. Um, what made you decide to join the leadership team at this institution? I know you've worked with them before for many years, right, as a company member. But what made you say that I'm you're ready to take up this mantle and this position of leadership? Well, I don't know that I said I was ready. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no. Um, no, I think, um, you know, are you ever ready for any major life shift? You know, I think sometimes new parents, you know, are saying, I, I want to wait to have kids until I'm ready. And I think most parents will tell you you're never ready. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, readiness is a funny thing, but I, I do think that there was a right time for me. Um, it felt like the right time. It felt like the right time to come home to a place that I have been in long relationship with um, that has helped to cultivate my own artistry, to be in service of helping to cultivate other folks' artistry. Um, I am intrigued by the model that is Pillsbury House Theater, which is to say we are a professional equity theater that is also housed inside of a social service agency, uh, the only professional theater to my knowledge in the country that is. And I am an artist who believes strongly that art plays a critical role in the health and well-being of any community. Absolutely. Because it does. And so I'm really intrigued also by this model and curious about how to learn from it, how to grow with it, and also how to imagine it being replicated elsewhere in the country so that we can really see theater as a viable, and and I know we as theater artists already know the viability of theater in our community, but in this way that we think about long-term sustainability of artists and artistry and theater makers in community in the same ways that we think about how important it is to feed our communities, to have health and wellness in our communities, to make sure that uh, our our siblings and, and community members, adults living with disabilities have access to community and relationship building, that we have childcare, that we have the things that make vibrant, healthy communities where people can have access to building their own agency and power. Theater, mm-hmm. narrative building, artistry needs to be woven into all of that. So it excites me for all of those reasons. And at this time, I think, you know, after 20 plus years of making theater, I think I was curious to see what would it be like to put a ring on it, (laughs) Um, you know, to like move past this dating thing and, Uh, That doesn't mean that I won't be directing in other places. I'm looking forward to projects um, around the country. Um, But I'm also really interested in what does it mean at this time to be an institution accountable to its community? Absolutely. Oh, yes. I don't know if that was an answer, but that's what came out my mouth right now. I, uh, as someone who, uh, one, I will fully agree with you. I don't know if anyone's ever ready to take, uh, 
this type of leadership position. I call, I'm a associate artist director, the drama link here. And I, and I always say I'm a doing community service and I don't do say that to belittle um, the work that I have to do, but I say that it, it's, it keeps me in a place of humbleness and, and reminder of what the work is. We're supposed to be in relationship to a community at all times. And whether that community be directors or whether that community be the theater goers of New York, we have to figure out what their needs are. How do we speak on them in one-on-one relationship? How do we advance their thoughts and energy across that? So I, 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 I think where you are right now in your headspace is beautiful. Um, and, 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 I'm wishing you nothing but success. Um, and you have us. So if you need anything, let us know. Well, I'm the call. You can count on me. <laughs> Please call. <laughs> How about you, Kate? I know, I know um, you're a freelance director. Is this yeah. a path that you think um, you want to uh, be open to um, yeah, later on? Absolutely. Um, I think the audience is really at the center of everything that I do. And it's that's been like my focal point for a while is that I'm an audience experience director. And even when Mm -hmm. I'm freelancing, I need, before I work on a production, I need to know a lot about the audience and I want to know a lot about the community. Um, So the idea about being in dialogue and as Sydney says, being responsible to your community um, is really exciting and intriguing to me. So I, I love the idea of putting a ring on it. Um, Maybe someday (laughs) soon. I love that. Um, so now throughout uh, Kate and Signe's time with us, we've put them in situations during this fellowship where they have to answer this next question in front of industry leaders and fellow artists and collaborators. I wonder if you would share as a director what you hope your work uh, does to an audience, um, how you think your work uh, uh, interacts with other artists. Um, artists and audience um what what are your um expectations in your of your work i should say what i will say is that i come from a background of craftspeople i'm from rural maine um, and everybody in my family is a a builder or a maker my father was a potter a boat builder my mother was a textile artist um so this idea of craftspersonship um is really baked into what i do and I I have a little shorthand for myself, which is that like I want my productions to be like a cup. Um, and the first job of the cup is to be held by the person who's going to drink from it and for them to be able to drink. Um, so I approach my work from that, sort of like you were saying, Nyland, that idea of an act of service, that your first responsibility is to the holder of the cup, uh, mm-hmm. wherever they are in their, you know, emotional, personal, professional, whatever journey, um, your, your first responsibility is to create a cup that they can drink from. And then what you fill the cup with and what this particular cup is, is something that's all built around that. So if you, if you translate that to production, I think I have an interest in, in strong bones in a strong structural understanding first. Um, and then in using that to build something that's very experiential for the audience, um, the push and pull between the smart and the stupid is like the way I often say it, but the, the, the intelligent, the dramaturgical, the rigorous, the structural, and the intuitive and the imaginative and the theatrical 
is what kind of makes my motor go is the push and pull between those two things. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question about sort of what to expect from a production, but I do think that that's part of what motors everything I do, even though I do a lot of different kinds of work. I think that fully um, answered the question and I'm ready to drink out that cup. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you very much for that. Um, how about you, Signe? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that is beautiful. And I love what Kate was saying to just like coming from a family of makers and, and that, you know, I'm such a sponge. I'm so influenced by the things around me. So just to hear you speak about family reminds me that, you know, I think being the child of a, of a pastor and and I think that, you know, I think that totally like informs my work. Um, not that you come into church, but you know, you might have a church like experience when you see my work. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, yeah. So I don't know that it's about, you know, I don't have a prescribed outcome from, for audiences, but the expectation that I have of myself and really the execution I have for the teams that I'm collaborating and working with is there, there probably are three. One, that we make something that we're collectively proud of. Two, that we engage the audience thoughtfully enough and deeply enough such that they can ask and engage in questions and conversations post the experience. And then I, I think an expectation that I have is that like I, I do that in an environment where like we all get to show up with our best selves, even when our best selves is our messiest selves, mm. but that like we get to be real people in this work. And so that's a little bit less about the audience and a little bit more about the process, but it matters very much to me how I and we spend our time. So I'm really those might be the things in this moment. If you ask me again, Nyland, I, I probably would say something different. But I think that's what I would answer in this moment. I love that answer. I love both your answers. There's no, what I love about asking this question to put an artist in this place is that it makes them realize that there's no, that they have the right. There isn't a right or wrong to tell anybody. This is just where I am now. Both of you all, thank you for, for sharing those thoughts where you are. Um, so I mentioned earlier in our conversation that you both are presenting work in this year's Director Fest. And for you all who don't know what Director Fest is, it's an annual theater festival presented by the Drama League, the only festival of its kind in the American theater that centers the work of the director. And now due to COVID-19, these directors have joined us moving the festival to the digital world. Uh, Big thank you to our artistic team, Gabriel Cillian Shanks, the artistic director, Ali Sky Bennett, artistic producer, and Patrick Surreal, the artistic coordinator who led this monumental shift. Um, and thank you to you, directors, for uh, joining us in this new frontier. So starting uh, June 7th through the 23rd, there will be four fully staged film theatrical productions that will premiere. Um, and if you haven't gotten your ticket, no worries. Head over to directorfest.org or drumly.org to get your ticket now. Um, 
Kate, you're you're yeah. you're doing um Laura Shellhart's uh the KFD. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose this play? Well, I mean, being restricted to doing one person plays mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, was part of, you know, it was part of how we approached this festival. And I really wanted a one person play that was a complete theatrical event. Sort of going back to that idea uh, that I was talking about, about being very analog. You know, I really wanted something that felt um, not reduced, that felt really full. It engaged with design, it engaged with performance, it engaged with space, and it couldn't be crushed down into something um, neat and small. I was really attracted to that quality about this play. Um, that it's not quite uh, structurally, what do I want to say? Like, it's not quite traditionally structured. It's mysterious. And it is theatrical, and it is very metaphysical, and very... Uh, it's, it is very much, I think, about sort of ritual and healing, um, just going back to themes from our earlier conversation. So I, I, wanted, I knew I wanted something that fit that definition, um, that, that felt like real theater. Um, and then the other thing that I was really interested in right now, and there's a lot to love about this play, and I could work on it forever, um, and I would be happy working on it forever. <laughs> there's so much to be found in it. Um, and we're just scratching the surface with it on some level, um, because it's a very deep and beautiful metaphysical play. Um, but I was very interested in grief in, you know, we chose these plays as the pandemic was roaring. Um, Mm -hmm. and we you know, many of us lost people that we knew and family members, and there's just this tremendous sense of grief right now. So in the play, grief takes on a superhuman power. I don't want to spoil it too, too much. Um, but basically, I think it, it sort of posits this idea that your grief can make you strong and can make you connected to the universe at large, and that your grief can be power. And it can also be very, very dangerous. Um, mm, so that mm-hmm. was something that I thought, wow, we need to, we need to be talking about collective grief right now. And this is a small story. It's set in rural Ohio and it's just about a, a young girl whose brother is killed. Um, and she's grieving the loss of her brother, but it has larger implications, um, about huge collective emotions and loss. So that's how um, I came to this play. Yes, I am so excited this, um, for audiences to see what you've done with it. I am I'm very privileged to have had a sneak peek, and I love it. Um, Thank you. Signe, would you uh, tell us um, why you chose Sharon Bridge for the Bull Jane stories? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting thing, uh, Sharon Bridgeforce, the Bull Jean stories, I think chose me um, in this, like, in this way that this is a play that I have been fascinated with for over 20 years and have loved. It was a play that I first heard excerpts read aloud in the late 90s and felt like someone opened up a portal to my own 
herstory that I hadn't had access to, like meeting mm. kinfolk I didn't know I had and needed in my life. So it felt very much like a homecoming to get the opportunity to spend time building and making the play in this moment for uh, Director's Fest. And I was so honored that Sharon Bridgeforth, a phenomenal and profound artist of deep integrity, power, magic, and so many, all of, all of the things, uh, said, yes, I could hold this piece and play with it. Um, and so what is this piece? It's a blues quilt. It's stories from the life of Bull Jean, who we meet uh, in the South, kind of starts around the 1920s. It is episodic. It is all the things that you love about a quilt and you love about the blues, that they the blues has a way of working inside of your soul and singing melodies that are inside of you that you didn't know you needed to sing and like heal you from the inside out. And a quilt is something you wrap around your outside to give you that comfort and that strength um, to carry on, to feel uh, connected. And I think that's what uh, getting to see Bull Jean go through different episodes in her life and see the journey that she's on through a cast of characters that you get to meet in her life to really understand, you know, what does it mean to be a, a, a black uh, masculine of center lesbian in rural black America in the early part of the last century, you know, is it's not just about illuminating the past because this piece seems to transcend time, but it is like this, it's interesting I'm struggling for words and maybe it's just because I'm kind of speechless about how much I love it, but it's like you get invited to the dinner table with a bunch of incredible people who you never knew you'd have the chance to meet. And then they serve you their favorite dish. And it just, it hits your tongue in this way that just makes your mouth vibrate with joy is how I feel <laughs> like these stories fall on me. And I, you know, as a black lesbian in the world, there's not a lot of American theater that speaks to my experience. And I think that the theater in, it can be such a beautiful affirmation of our humanity when our stories are shared. And so, you know, this is one for the homies. And I feel like the homies and the homos. And I feel like it's also a piece that speaks to the power of holding fast to the stories of your, your past and your present, and also that we can learn something about ourselves through someone else's story. You know, Sharon said something, and I, I hope it's okay to share, but she said something beautiful at the beginning of the process that 
going through the journey of putting these stories together and telling them and retelling them, we're going to uncover something about ourselves. We have a question inside of us that needs to be answered. And by going through the ritual of these stories, you're going to work something out. Mm. And that was very true for us in the room as we worked on these pieces. And, and I hope that that's true for our audiences to some degree, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm smitten. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I hope our listeners can hear. I think one of the most uh, intimate expressions is when a director speaks about why they have lent their craft, their time um, to a piece. And from both of you, uh, um, it, it, it definitely is it's beaming off of you. Um, we're um, about to be out of time. And I want to end it with, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as we uh, do on a lot of these, I, I, I love artists um, shouting out other artists that they hope to work with one day. So I'm going to ask both you all to think, um, do you have any artists that are on your bucket list that you're just itching to work with out in the world? Yes. Some of them are deceased. Ooh, Um, who would that be? I love that. I've only had one other person go, this person's deceased and I would pull them from the grave to work with them. I mean, there's a lot. If I'm going to be, you know, honest, I mean, Lorraine Hansberry, um, my beloved mentor, Lori Carlos, um, to name two off the top of my head that I would would love to be in a room with. Mm -hmm. How about for you, Kate? Oh, so many. I'm like, I'm pausing with this question to turn over, like, how can I not embarrass myself? It's like declaring your love for someone on a billboard. Um, (laughs) It's not embarrassing. Like, wow, that sounds beautiful. Paint it big. I'll actually, this is just the first person who came to mind. Um, I read the the script. Um, I do, I do some like script evaluations for various theaters and a script came across my desk by this um, writer who was at the time right out of Columbia. Her name is Zizi Azabdul-Majid. Zizi, if you're listening, I loved your play so much. I want to work with you. She is amazing. Um, so that's just somebody who just came to my mind, um, who's just at the beginning of their journey in the U.S. Um, as a theater artist, and I just think they're so cool. Yes. Yeah, I love all of this. And what I'm going to say is that I hope some juju, um, um, some great theater juju mixes and and hopefully Sigby, you get some unearthed Lorraine Hansberry play that you get to be in conversation with. <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to. I mean, I want to. I want to work on the plays that Lorraine didn't have the opportunity to write. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I know there's a library um, that was showing some of her. Uh, she had all these short stories that are incomplete, um, and a play that's incomplete that they were just showing for a little bit. And I mean, whoever can get their hands on those, that's something. Um, Kate and Signe, thank you so much um, for joining me today. Yeah. Um, everybody, as I said, um, they have two exquisite shows that are premiering next month at Director Fest. That is June 7th through the 23rd. Um, go to drumley.org or directorfest.org for tickets. Signe and Kate, thank you so much. Have a lovely, lovely, lovely day. Thank you, Nylan. Thank you, Kate. Yeah, thank you both. Peace and blessings. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Talking Direction. Join us every week by subscribing while you're here. 
Also, let us know what you think. You can follow us and engage with us directly on all social media platforms with the handle at Drama League. Talking Direction is a project of the Drama League of New York, America's only not-for-profit, lifelong home for stage directors and the audiences who treasure their work on stage, in films, on television, and across the internet. During the pandemic, we're providing essential services to help theater folk and their families who are suffering from economic and health struggles due to COVID-19. If you'd like to join us in this effort, visit dramaleague.org and click donate or become a member. We'd love to have you as part of the Drama League family. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.